Welcome to episode 55 of the Bomber Brothers podcast, part of the Pinstripe Alley community of podcasts. Sean and Ryan here to recap another past Yankee season as we uh, continue to trudge through life without live baseball. We also brought on ESPN's Tim Kirchin, who does his daily Tim Kirchin's baseball fix over on ESPN.com, going over some moments in on whatever day in baseball history that the article was published. So we talked to him about that and also talked to him about the season that we will be recapping on this episode, which is 2001. I know we picked 2007 last week, but then we uh, set up a talk with Tim Kirchin and thought maybe we should talk about a more memorable season with him. So we came to 2001, which Sean, I mean, we have, there's, there's a number of teams to choose from, uh, the majority at Pinstripe Alley picked 2003 as the one to do the best team Yankees team to never win a World Series. I certainly think this one is also in the argument as maybe the best Yankees team that didn't finish the season with a World Series trophy. And for me, the one that if I had to pick a team that didn't win to have one, it, it would have been this one. Yeah, I, I think the 03 team was better, um, but I I loved the 2001 team. And um, if if I could get, if I could get one more at any time, it it would be two thousand one. Um, that would be the one I would I would pick. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like here's um, could be controversial. Uh, could certainly could spark a debate. But if you had to sack or if you could change, you know, one series in Yankee history, would it be this World Series or the two thousand four ALCS? Um. It would be this series. I think that I think the 2004 ALCS, the Red Sox would have won in 2007 anyway, right? Most likely, or in 2013, or they've won four now. But um, for them to do it against the Yankees, it's somewhat poetic. It's some, you know, uh, it's not great, but to say the least, no. Yeah, to say the least, but. This would have guaranteed another championship for Tino, for Paul O'Neill, Brocious. It would have gotten Moose one. I mean, I know 04, he would have gotten to the World Series. Um, So, so, so yeah, and Pettit, too. Um, uh, For this group, this this really – this group that was – it is so special to us and that we grew up with, to have them seen one more – that would have been awesome, and it was really, uh, really sucks to think they didn't win. But they also gave us probably the most exciting Yankee World Series. That I'm mean, well, the the most exciting Yankee World Series that we've ever seen. Um, games four and five of the 2001 World Series are absolutely insane, and they gave us a really fun ride during the regular season and the, and the postseason. And they had a great year all around. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the big things you said that I would agree with was it would it would have gotten a World Series for Moose. 
and I mean he was incredible this season. He he led the Yankees in WAR in in two thousand one, uh, and definitely deserved a ring. It's a sh- it's a shame that they won before the year before and the year after uh, during his Yankee tenure. And it would have I mean to have seen four World Series in a row for like you said the group that we grew up with would have been pretty incredible and then just also the fact that the Yankees had become such an important part of the grieving and recovery process of everything that happened in uh with 9-11 so to have won a World Series with that would would have been incredible um you know and also with that being said it's funny because we always buy all the the World Series videos of every World Series the Yankees win and they didn't win this one but it's also I think like the World Series video besides 96 that I find myself watching the most. I always stop it after game five, but um, I I definitely think this is still one of the most memorable seasons in Yankee history, despite the ultimate outcome. I think the intro for the Yankees in the 2001 World Series video where you have, Oh yeah. It's the coolest. uh, If there was in fact a team of destiny. Yeah. It's, it's the absolute best. Yeah, so obviously there was plenty that happened before the World Series and, and the postseason. So that that Yankee team went ninety five and and sixty five, won the division, of course. But any um, any regular season moments that that stuck out to you? I mean, this team I, I got off to a fast start. Really, never looked back. There, I don't think there were too many extended slumps during this season. Um, Longest but, losing streak was four games. I just I, I looked it up. Yeah, so it was a team that was doing what it was expected to, dominating dominating the division and, and getting to the World Series. I mean, I think the games that, that stick out the most for me, um, I think the first regular season game that I think about, um, 9-11 notwithstanding for when they come back in Chicago, obviously, like, you know, you remember that stuff, but um, would, would be the Mike Messina almost perfect game. Yeah. Absolutely. We were we were watching that live at the house when we were kids and oh man, I remember just Carl Everett's single and I also what really stands out to me is actually after the game when they had Moose on uh baseball tonight and he was doing the interview from the field with the headset on and I it just seemed like he was like fighting back tears the whole time just knowing how close he came but that also just showed just how brilliant he was that season. A three three one five ERA. He had just been brought uh, brought over in free agency, and he certainly certainly uh, pitched and showed his worth and showed the value of that contract. And having him, Clemens, and Pettit uh, as your top three in, in the rotation was uh, was certainly among the best in baseball. Yeah, I mean. Their their rotation was you know El Duque had a down year but they still had a, a top rotation and a, a good bullpen um, for sure. What's his name had a great year. Um, Mike Mendoza, Ramiro Mendoza, Mike Stanton, both of them had big years. Um, and then you had you know Clemens has the monster year. Moose does a great job. Pettit has a good year. Mariano's Mariano. It's a really solid team all around. Good rotation, good lineup. David Justice has a down year, but still manages to hit 18 homers. Yep, and this was um, the arrival of Alfonso Soriano this season. Oh, yeah, and he had some some big hits in the postseason. 
and some big catches in the postseason, which which we'll get to. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, there was the there was the um, like you said the the game in Chicago after the uh, pause of the season with everything that happened in nine eleven. The Yankees um, went nine days without playing. They come back and and crush the White Sox on the road, and they win the day after that and then they lost three in a row but september it wasn't like 2000 when they backed into the postseason and won only 87 games the yankees got the job done in in september of of 2001 trying to look at their yeah they went 12 and 6 in september after after a lackluster august they finished like 16 games up or something like that so i think we're all right there yeah they only had one walk-off home run that year actually um, it was in early in the season too. David Justice hit one against the Red Sox in the tenth inning. Yeah, off uh, Derek Lowe. We went to a really really good game that year. Um, where they were playing the Twins, they wound up losing, but they were losing like four nothing. And Jeter hit a solo homer, and then Tino hit a three run homer to tie it. And then they lost on like a wild pitch or something, and late in the game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm trying. Let's looking to see if I can find that game. It was it was against the Twins and it was in like May, uh, May tenth. Oh yeah, there it is. And the save and the save that game, Latroy Hawkins. Well, yeah, we were just talking about him. <laughs> yeah, that that was a good game. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's uh, we can get to the good stuff here. The ALDS, which is is still honestly one of my favorite ser- postseason series in, in Yankee history. Obviously, there's a lot of Jeter involved, so that um, adds into my equation of favorite postseasons in Yankee history. But just, I mean, everything from the way the first two games went at home to Torrey's press conference after and just like, his, you know, the only way the series is over is is if it's a two out of three, and then going back, and then game three is still just one of I think the the craziest games I could remember. It wasn't just about the flip play; it was Musina in his first season as a Yankee, in his first playoff start as a Yankee, pitching one of the greatest games in postseason history that we've ever seen. And just the fact that the flip play becomes even more magnified because the game ends in, in a one nothing win. Yeah, I mean that's that's playoff baseball, right? You're you're down to your you, you you have to win the game and you get a great pitching performance and you win a one nothing game. What's better than that postseason baseball wise? But you have the flip play. Uh, Posada hit the home run right, and Messina makes makes the one run stand up with with the the flip play from Jeter and that's what they absolutely needed most and it was it was awesome I remember watching that game at our house and I mean you, you take me through the play because you uh you know that's your that's your buddy well Jeter took us through the play recently after he got inducted into the Hall of Fame he was at the MLB Network studios and they were going over the play and talking about um like watching Spencer's throw and I think it was Harold Reynolds started asking him about like you know what were you seeing in the trajectory of the ball or something like that and and Jeter was like you guys are talking about all these numbers and angles and stuff I was just looking at where the ball was going and he made that dash to uh to the first baseline 
And I remember, I remember, I remember Tino's reaction, like the, the leap and then like tucks his glove back under it, like behind his head as in like, Oh, I'm not getting this. And then you just think, Oh shit. Like the game's tied. And then there's a very controversial debate on if, uh, Jeremy Giambi was safe. He's clearly out. He's clearly out. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's many angles where you see when Posada swipes back, he hits him on that leg right before it comes down right below the knee. Uh, if Jeremy Jambi slid, he would have been safe, yes. but he didn't. I don't probably know Probably not used to sliding because he's probably not used to many uh, base running instances where he needs to slide because why the hell would people ever send him on close plays or have him steal a base because he's slower than I am? Well, probably not, but, yeah, but he's very slow. That's fair. But that's one of the highlights of the play is Posada's tag. Because he has to he has to field it and then go across his body and kind of blindly reach out and and just nip Jeremy yeah. Giambi's leg. That was one of the most incredible parts of the play as well. I thought, Incre- yeah, incredible play all around. It saves the season and uh, they live to fight another day. But that you know that and then game five, the the flip into the stance become two of the top five Jeter defensive highlights of all time, all in this, the span of four days. Yeah, I, three three days, three days really. I think we talked about this um, when when Jeter got inducted in, into the Hall of Fame, but that to me is the uh, the flip play is I think the top play of Jeter's career, whether it was at the plate or, or in the field. That's that's the one that stands out the most to me. And yeah, I, and it, I also it, think it's the best defensive play in postseason history that I've seen. I mean, you have that, you have. Um, what are other ones that stick out to me? I mean, Andy Chavez in the NLCS with the Mets when he robbed the home run. Yeah, but that was in a losing effort. But that, but I in the moment, that was incredible. I remember watching that. So yeah, I'm trying to think of some other ones, but it's still the, the flip play is the one I always go back to. And um, yeah, so then you know, Musina outduels Barry Zito, and we talked about the trio of Clemens, Pettit, and Moose. I mean, the A's had Mulder, Hudson, Zito. I mean, this was, you know, the Yankees had home field for the first two games, but the A's won 102 games, and you could make the argument that they were the better team, and the Yankees just willed their way back. And, of course, once again, backs against the wall still in game four, and who do we have on the mound? El Duque. And they put on a drubbing in that game, too. Yeah. Well, I think I think Corey Lytle started that game. Oh, rest in peace. Yep. Yeah, Corey Lytle got knocked around, um, and it was it was El Duque again. Just El Duque being El Duque. I know he gets knocked around in the next series, but in this one, he it was kind of like a grinded out effort. Eight hit, eight hits over five and two third, and then we get uh like like you mentioned earlier the duo of Stanton and Ramiro Mendoza that go the rest of the way and shut him out. But yeah, the Yankees uh, just kind of beat the hell out of him in, in this game. And uh, I I remember I was I was a freshman in high school and I was telling everybody Yankees in five when they were down two nothing and, and nobody believes me. But then we get to game five. <laughs> yeah, we get and- to game five thanks to uh, thanks to Bernie and in, in game game four because he, he had five RBIs. That'll get it done. And then game five, another another really good game. We had the like we mentioned, the Jeter flip into the stands. The Yankees go behind in this game. 
They're mm-hmm. down. They're down two nothing to Mark Mulder. That's never good. But then, uh, but then the Yankees offense wakes up, starting in the in the bottom of the second. And uh, A's just absolutely throw the ball all over the place. Yeah, they have a really bad. They make three errors in that game. Really bad. And our boy Jason Giambi went four for four. Well, it's probably why they wound up siding him and let Tino go. But whatever. <laughs> But Justice hits a home run in the game too. Big, you know, home run in the sixth inning to extend the lead. And uh, Jeter makes the crazy play into the stands. Brocious goes and gets the ball, and um, yeah, Mariano closes it out. And then we're on to the ALCS. Another time where the Yankees face a powerhouse. This time it's, you know, maybe the best regular season team in baseball history. In the Mariners, they've got Ichiro now on top of the other dominant weapons that they had, winning 116 games. And you know, to say you know, the it's you look at the five game series and it's like, man, the Yankees beat the hell out of them. But aside from Game Five, every game was close. Oh yeah, four two, three two, three one. Oh, Game Three was a blowout. But well, that's the one lost, when El Duque yeah. got knocked around. A, a yeah. rare postseason dud, but the but the Yankees uh, Yankees starting pitching shows up shows up again with Pettit and Moose going strong in games one and two, and obviously Mo shutting it down. But this was a this was a great way for the Yankees to kind of take control of the series over a 116 win team, and then I'm sure that the doubt starts creeping in. For a, for a Mariners team that was hoping to march to the World Series and become the best team of all time. And it was cool to have kind of the Yankees who, you know, pretty much unquestionably held that mantle as, as the best team of all time just a few years ago, that they were kind of the team to, to deny the Mariners that. Yeah, I think that's what makes this series so special is that it was the, you know, 116-win team that was coming for the title you had just earned of the greatest team ever. And a lot of the guys on this Yankee team are from that 98 team. I mean, you know, Justice isn't, uh, Clemens isn't, but you still have, you know, Knobloch, Jeter, Bernie, Tino, Posada, O'Neill, Brocious, all those guys. And then, you know, the whole bullpen, they're defending that. And that's what makes us really special and really emotional. Um, and you get old reliable in game one, you know, Andy Pettit goes out and and sets the tone and shuts them down. And then you get a blowout loss in game three and they're winning in the eighth inning in game. I'm sorry. The Yankees are losing in the eighth inning in game four. And it's like, okay, maybe this team woke up in the Mariners and Bernie Williams, that one of the key players in the dynasty hits a huge home run to tie it. Yeah, one of the more underrated moments in, in in this run is the Bernie Williams homer to tie it. Yep, and of course, what happens after is Soriano wins the game with a home run in the ninth, kind of his first big Yankee moment, and and then you know still in the Bronx for Game Five, the Yankees pretty much leave no doubt in clinching the series. They completely destroy Seattle with a twelve three win. Yeah, this game was over in the fourth inning. Yeah, I mean, they scored four in the third. And that was um, it. Quick, Making quick work of one of the 
greatest t- regular season teams in, in baseball history. Another home run for Bernie. And and away we go. And, and away they and away they went to the World Series. And it was just such a good run uh, throughout the post the, throughout the postseason up to this. And it felt like because of what had happened in the country with 9-11, uh, it felt like there was more focus on the Yankees and they were coming through in like these incredible ways with the two nothing comeback against the the A's and then beating a hundred and sixteen team 116 win team in the Mariners and then they kind of play the Diamondbacks and you're like well this should be not too bad they just have two pitchers really and this guy Luis Gonzalez who seems to have come out of nowhere yeah a bunch of other old veterans who have never done much yeah but they take control in the first two games and the top of the rotation advantage is clearly in Arizona's favor even after the brilliant season Musina had and then you get Clemens in game three against some guy named Brian Anderson and then this turns out to be a dogfight and this game kind of gets overlooked because of everything that happened in games four and five but this was a really tight game where the Yankees were fighting to stay alive and avoid going down three games to none which would have pretty much meant the end of the series and they stay in it I think Posada hits a hits a home run a big mm-hmm. home run. Yeah, hit off Brian Anderson. And and Mo gets the save. And yeah, that's just that's a really uh overlooked game, I feel like, and should be kind of um conjoined with games four and five as this three game stretch that was just pretty much endless excitement. Well, I mean that's a that's a one one game in the sixth inning and uh with two outs, it's a it's a one one game and Brocious comes up with a big hit and you know, Brocious, he had a home run in 2000 World Series, played well in 99 World Series, MVP in 98, really clutch postseason player. Um, and after, uh, you know, Clemens has the big regular season, there's some concerns about his hamstring, goes out and shoves when the Yankees need him the most. Seven innings, three hits, three walks, one run. Um and Mariano pitches them to victory. But I, I think the game gets remembered more for the first pitch, which was a very yeah. big deal at the time. Um, you know, very emotional at the time and uh, deservedly so. But what I remember from that game the most is actually that the Diamondbacks look a little shaken to be in Yankee Stadium for the first time. Their catcher made a couple errors. Uh, you, know, I know they, you know, they made three, three big mistakes there. So um, that, that's what I remember about that game. Uh, more than anything, but also the Posada homer, of course. Yeah, that was a bomb. And that the game was on mischief night, and we were toilet papering our neighbor Eric's house, and you know, one of my <laughs> one of my oldest friends, and uh, we had to run run back to make sure we uh, we caught the game. And then we have game four, which mom and dad made me go to sleep before the end of it, which was kind of frustrating given what happened after but obviously you're just happy that they they tied the series but this, well, was, this was another one where um el duque came up huge he it looked like he wasn't gonna no another one where he had to grind it out like in the alds while meanwhile Schilling was mowing everybody down but duque duque got the job done and 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 matched him inning for inning and then and then kim comes in at coming off this monster season 
and the Yankees get started on pretty much ruining his career. <laughs> um, yeah, what you know, actually, the home run that Spencer hits off of he goes the other way off of um, Schilling. McCarver makes a great point in this. Uh, if you listen to the full broadcast, because Schilling shakes yes, and then he shakes no, and then he steps off. So McCarver says the only thing you would be shaking yes to and then no is fastball and then location because nothing else you would be calling for a location. So he says, you know, Spencer will be sitting fastball here. And of course he gets fastball in the outside corner. He pokes it over, you know, the, the right field things. I thought that was some valuable analysis from, from Tim McCarver. So I just want to give him a little bit of a shout out. Yeah. I got a soft, I got a soft spot for McCarver. Anyway. Um, so then they go down three, one, you know, after El Duque, you know, he pitches his heart out. Great reaction to him cheering the inning-ending double play in the dugout, by the way, uh, in the sixth, I believe it was, or whenever, whenever he comes out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, or the seventh, maybe, because the eighth, the eighth is when Arizona It, it was the seventh because Duque yeah. went, I think, because he got taken out in the seventh inning. Yeah, Stanton gets the big play, but then Mendoza gives up uh, – yeah, Mendoza gives up two runs. Um well, they're really charged to Stan, but Stan gets out of the inning and he starts the next one off. Not great. And they're down 3-1 going to the ninth inning, and um, Bung Young Kim strikes out the side in the eighth. It's not looking great. Not good at all. But uh, Tia Martinez says, I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to watch watch Bung Young Kim because I've never seen before. Maybe TV will give me a better angle. And he notices that Bung Young Kim does something a little predictable, and he throws a first-pitch fastball to every Yankee because they haven't seen him before. So Tino, after O'Neal, gets a little broken bat single, and I'm, I'm still not sure why Luis Gonzalez didn't dive for this ball. Yeah. You're up by two. You might as well lay out. Um, I'm, I'm still I, – I remember when he hit that, I was like, how oh, that might drop, and then I was like so surprised that it does. Because I did stay up uh, for this game. Dad didn't make you go to bed, by the way. He might have over the phone, but Dad was at work. Um, well, and I remember, did. <laughs> yeah, mom, mom was, and I stayed up later than mom, and she fell asleep on the floor. Like I was on the couch, <laughs> and she laid down on the floor with Blockhead. Um, so O'Neill breaks his bat, and then, as they say in the World Series, and Bernie Williams swung it air. And then uh, <laughs> Tino came up, and I, I mean, I remember Tino makes, I think, the last out of the or the first out of the seventh or something like that. He makes an out, and I'm calculating in my head like, what are the odds that Tino comes up again with the game on the line? So I'm like, oh, there's a pretty good shot he'll get one more at bat tonight. So I stay up, and he comes up and first pitch, he drills it over the the center field wall, and I mean, for me, that's probably like the the replay I watched the most in my life is him his him hitting that home run it's my all-time probably favorite moment in baseball history uh you're, you're talking about going down three to one in the world series or having a chance to even it up and he comes up huge um and that's the bamtino and you know it's his last great moment as a yankee um I jumped up over mom and blockhead and like just started jumping up and down mom told me woke up and told me to be quiet because I was going to wake you guys up and then the phone started ringing, and it was Dad calling from the hospital to make sure that I was up and watching, which I was, of course. And uh, the game's tied, and it's one of the great moments in World Series history. 
Yeah, and and another one of the great moments would is um, I mean this is like our dream game. Our two favorite players hit the two biggest home runs of the season. Um, but I think what kind of gets lost is that there almost wasn't a Mister November because the Yankees almost finished this off after Tino's home run because Kim's a little rattled. He walks Posada, then Justice gets a base hit, and you've got the winning run in scoring position, and then and then he gets and then Kim gets out of it, which sets up. Mr. November, which was not a first pitch, um, first pitch bomb. He had to he he had to battle. Yeah, worked the full count, kept battling, and then this is a true Yankee Stadium home run, right right over the short porch. But but just enough. It's been replayed a million times. One of the most replayable highlights for me. This is probably the most replayable game in terms of highlights for me because you have Tino and Jeter's moments so i would i would say this is probably near the top but but um it was it was just cool that you know the the 10th inning starts and you think all right maybe kim has settled down he gets you know two quick outs and then jeter comes up and works this full count and then ends the game and how that guy got the mr november sign up the fan in the stands that they show is pretty impressive you know, we always talk about him because he has the Graham Matsui sign. It's the same guy. Yeah. And he has another sign, too. I forget what it is. But I saw him again a different time when I was watching uh, an, an old Yankee classic. I forget which one it is. That guy brings a lot of signs to the games. He's he, always ready. He comes prepared. It's really impressive. It is. It is. Um, but, yeah, great moment. Great all-around um, game for for you and i to root for because our two uh our two favorite players have the big hits and uh you know it's um it's 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 a it's a classic game it's it's a game that we'll go back and watch all the time and uh you get good pitching it's really intense um and yeah i mean i don't know what else to say about it other than it's uh one of my favorite games ever the tino home run is really special to me and the the jeter one too is great and i love the view that they have from like right center field or center field where they show jeter like hustling down the line yeah and because you don't know what's going to go out it's not like the tino one where you're pretty sure right off the bat he got it and uh then you see him put the fist in the air and the whole dugout goes nuts uh just a great view great moment his parents reaction is great Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. November 2001, the screen name on AIM is born. Yeah, that was my screen name. That is still my PS4 gamer tag, which I use on the show. Um, yeah, that's still it. I think I just keep that out of habit now because that's basically been my – that was my gamer tag on Halo 1. And, yeah, I just keep it now. There you go. And and then there's Game 5. It's so funny. Can't be as, can't be as good as Game 4, though, right? It's just – yeah, no. no way that, that that there hadn't been a team that tied the game down by two in the ninth in fifty years in the World Series. Yep, and thank God I was able to stay up for this one. Um, but again, it's not it's not it's not um, Schilling or or the big unit that shuts the Yankees down this time. It's Miguel Batista, and the Yankees are able to keep it somewhat close going going into the ninth, and then they bring in Kim again. This time it's not. Some it's not a couple quick outs. Posada leads leads the inning off with a double, and and then I, f- I feel like that's the moment when you're like, oh man, like this this could happen again. And then the two quick outs come, and you're like, oh shit, we're down to you know the final out. And then Brocious comes up, and 
I mean, I, I know. I know we just talked about Game Four and with Tino and Jeter being our favorite players, just how huge that was. But I, I, I feel like this one stands out even more just because it was, you know, again, like here, here we go again. Yeah, no, like no way this is going to happen again. Every part of your fan wants you to think it can, but your brain is like, this, this can't happen again, dude. And then it does, and it's just it's the most insane thing ever that two back-to-back nights in the World Series, same exact situation. It's incredible. I can't I can't remember what um, which newspaper it was. I wish I could, so we can give them credit. But I don't know if we still have it. But miracle after, and miracle it, part two. That was so cool. Like it was the next day, you had the huge picture on the front page of Jeter, and it said miracle. And then after this night, you had Brocious on the front cover, and it said Miracle Part Two. And that was just; those were just so cool to have. I don't know if if maybe Dad still has them, but those were uh, those were pretty awesome. Yeah, that that was great, great moments. And then, I mean, they get some big defensive plays to even push this game later in extra innings with Soriano uh, laying out in the eleventh. Yeah, that was that was a big moment. Tenth. It was no, it was the eleventh, and it was. I mean, I think there were – weren't the bases loaded? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bases loaded with one out, and he makes that sprawling catch, which, I, yeah, that's that's one of the most underrated plays of, of the series or overlooked ones just because you know, then you get to the, the 12th inning, Knobloch lines the single to start, and then Soriano – Gets the uh, gets the game winning hit and completes what was a huge game for him on on both sides of the field, and that's yeah. the end of the World Series. That's that's it. <laughs> uh, we talked to Tim Kirchin about it. Yeah, we did. We should we should go ahead and, and play that um, since there's nothing else to talk about about this series. No, we'll come back after this, after we talk to Tim and just give quick thought. We have to talk uh, really quick about Game 7 just because that's still that's an all-time classic as well, which we also talked to Tim about. So uh, after a quick break, we will talk to Tim Kirchin. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We're joined now by Tim Kirchin, longtime baseball analyst at ESPN. You can catch his work there right now, Tim Kirchin's Baseball Fix, which comes out every day and helps fill the void of what is currently a baseballless world. Tim, thanks so much for coming on and just helping uh, continue to try to make it through life without live baseball. Yeah, well, my pleasure. And it's not just guys like me who have nothing else to do with their lives that really miss baseball but so many of my friends do so it was just an attempt a small attempt on my part to maybe bring a smile to the face of a baseball fan maybe even a, a chuckle here once in a while just about how much we love the game how much we miss the game and we all hope it returns as quickly as possible and that, that certainly is the overwhelming sentiment across the baseball world and everyone trying to make up for the lack of baseball in so many ways. We have the MLB The Show Players Tournament right now. Um, I know Sean and I get lost in the YouTube wormhole of Yankee highlights. So is there anything else you've been doing to kind of get that baseball fix? And, and are there any favorite baseball highlights that you find yourself going back to when there's really nothing else to do but relive some of the classic moments in the game. Well, I love any classic game that's been played in part because you just learn 
so much about how much the game has changed just by watching a game even in the 70s. It seems like it's 100 years ago with the way we played back then. And, you know, you go back and watch the Bill Mazeroski game and understand there were zero strikeouts in Game 7 of the 1960 World Series. And now we routinely have 20 strikeouts in a World Series game. And you look at the way the game was played in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even 10 years ago, how much things have changed. To me, that's the best part about going back is not just to get your baseball fixed and your baseball filled, but to learn something because you realize, look, these guys were trying to put the ball in play and these pitchers were trying to make them hit it. And that's something we don't do quite as often today. And you've gotten to witness plenty of incredible baseball moments during your time at ESPN and Baseball Tonight. Is there any game in history that stands out to you where maybe you and the the Baseball Tonight crew were watching live before going on the air? And is there just an experience that really sticks out to you where you guys are all watching this unfold live before going on air to talk about what might become one of the classic moments in baseball history? Well, uh, the Cal Ripken game, I was still at Sports Illustrated then, but that 21-31 was the most powerful moment I've ever spent in a major league park. Uh, 2016, when the Cubs won the World Series, that was an amazing night in Cleveland. But 2011, the David Freeze uh, home run game in the 11th inning, that's still the only playoff game, not World Series game, playoff game ever played in which a team trailed by two runs in the ninth inning and two runs in extra innings and still won the game. I remember telling my producer, Sean Fitzgerald, as we're about to run out on the field for the, you know, the Rangers clinching the World Series, and I said, if the Cardinals come back and win this game, I will never cover another game the rest of my life because what would be the point? It can't get any better than this. And, of course, the Cardinals came back and won that game six and won in game seven. So I have a million of those memories from the last 41 years, and uh, they keep me going on slow days like this. And uh, we're speaking with Tim Kirchner of ESPN. Tim, you, you came to ESPN, I believe, in 1998 and quickly became a fixture, uh, at least in our living room, on, on baseball tonight uh, as Yankee fans watching that, that 98 to the end of 2001 dynasty play out what stands out to you for that team i mean you got to talk baseball every day and see how they compared to the other teams in the league uh what what stood out about that 1998 to 2000 <laughs> dynasty to you well the 98 team might be the best team that i've ever covered or been around maybe this the, the 75 reds were better but I didn't. I wasn't covering then. I was close to covering that, but I was covering in '98, and I think they're the best team that I've seen as far as just incredible depth and bullpen rotation, everything. And I'll never forget after the Yankees won first two games. I want to say they went to San Diego, and Tony Gwynn just happened to be in the hallway. I was walking. With him, we just kind of ran into each other. And I'd known him really well for a long time. And he just looked at me and said, are they really that good? And it was a rhetorical question. He's trying to say, I didn't know they were that good. Uh, Because, you know, 
the Padres played pretty well for a couple games, and the Yankees just said, not today. We're, we're winning this. And that's how good, to me, the Yankees were. Even Tony Gwynn just had to shake his head and basically said, man, they are that good. That's quite an endorsement from a gun from Tony Gwynn. And uh, it, it's it's strange that they have the three, the Yankees have the three-peat, and then they go up three games to two after uh, two of the most incredible World Series games as a Yankee fan in game four and five. And how sure, what was the feeling like at ESPN with the baseball crew? How sure were you guys that this was pretty much over because the Yankees had just come back from the dead two nights in a row? And I think the reporters were even asking Brenly, like, are the Yankees guided by some supernatural force? Yeah, well, first off, games three, four, and five of that series, three, four, and five, I believe are the greatest three World Series games ever played consecutively. They're not the three greatest, but as far as back-to-back-to-back, I know they're the three greatest put together that I've ever seen. And yes, I think the uh, the Diamondbacks had to wonder uh, what's going on here, but they also had, of course, Randy Johnson pitching in game six at home, and he went back and threw a gem, and they won, like, as you remember, 15 to nothing or something. And then they needed... Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson to win game seven, and they beat Mariano Rivera. So to answer your question, one at ESPN just assumed the Yankees were going to win again because the Yankees always win. And Mariano Rivera was at his absolute prime. I did this gigantic story on him, all prepping for it to run on TV at least uh, after the Yankees won the World Series. And then he gave it up on an error and a broken bat single over drawn in infield. And we just looked at each other as if to say, how could that happen? The Yankees didn't win. And Mariano Rivera didn't win. That's how stunning that was. It was absolutely stunning. And as a Yankee fan, heartbreaking. But it still goes down as one of the greatest World Series ever played. Um, even game, you mentioned three, four, and five. But, I mean, game seven features Roger Clemens, Mariano Rivera, Kurt Schilling, and Randy Johnson. Uh, where would you rank the World Series on a whole? Uh in, in the World Series that you've covered? Well, I think the 91 World Series is the best one I've covered. The first six games were incredible. Braves against the Twins. And then Game 7, of course, was an iconic Game 7, one to nothing shutout by Jack Morris in 10 innings. So I still think that was the best World Series because of all the moving parts. And both teams had finished in last place the year before and went to Game 7 of the World Series. But I have to think 2001 is the second best World Series I've ever covered. And if anyone wants to argue with me, I will not argue against it. It was that good course president bush throwing out the first pitch of game three like i said three four and five beyond young kim you know Derek jeter mr mr november i mean it was just so good so much star power hall of famers everywhere so uh and the way it ended was just defied belief so uh i could easily go with that's the greatest world series i've ever covered but i hate to short shrift anything else and you mentioned how much the game has changed in your eyes just based on watching highlights and strikeout totals and, and so many other facets where the game has been drastically altered or evolved. And just how has that changed 
your your analysis in writing or talking with uh, the crew on baseball tonight. Just how has that process changed as the game of baseball has changed really since the Moneyball era? Yeah, I mean, I still love every second of every game. Don't get me wrong here, but I I think we have too many home runs, too many walks, and too many strikeouts, and not enough in between. I think the great middle infield play that I, I grew up watching and with the Orioles in the 60s and the 70s, and then, of course, Omar Vizquel and, and uh, Roberto Alomar together, I just don't think we see enough of that. And I don't think we see enough of the Ichiro's, Tony Gwynn's, Rod Carew's, and Wade Boggs who hated to strike out, put the ball in play. I don't think we see enough of the Greg Maddox's of the world who would be happy to get you out in one or two pitches so he can keep his pitch count down and throw a complete game. I just, I'm just a little bit worried that we're too enamored with strikeouts by pitchers. We don't bother. We're not bothered enough by too many strikeouts by our hitters, and we just hit too many home runs. It's a, it's a fun game to watch. Don't get me wrong, but I've seen it played better than it's played right now. And the, the players are bigger, better, faster, and stronger than ever. The game should be better than ever, and some days it's not. And we're talking with Tim Kirchin of ESPN. I think a lot of Yankee fans who share similar sentiments as you were happy to watch a guy like DJ LeMahieu last season was a high-contact guy, had an MVP-caliber season. But now his potential last season with the Yankees could be lost if there's no uh, baseball this season. Just what is your outlook for the 2020 season? We've seen a lot of reports about a lot of drastic measures to try to have a season, whether it be games strictly in Arizona, leagues organized by spring training leagues instead of the traditional leagues we have in the regular season. Just do you feel like a 2020 season is probable? Is it possible? If there is one, will it look incredibly different from the format we're used to? Just just what is what is going to happen in your mind with, with this MLB season? Well, the honest answer is I don't know, and neither does anybody else, and that's the real disconcerting part. We can come up with every plan in the world, and we've already tried to come up with all these plans, and not none of them work really well at this point. However, I think we all need to get in the back of our heads now that if we play, and I think we will this year, it's going to be the strangest season that we've ever seen. There's no telling what's going to happen. Are we going to have the same divisions? Are we going to have the same World Series structure? Are we going to play until November or December or January? Are there going to be fans in the stands? These are all legitimate questions, and we don't know the answers to any of them. And that's what is so confounding about all this is you want to start to make plans and you can't and every plan that comes out makes a little bit of sense but not a lot of sense and we just we're all gonna have to accept the fact at some point that uh no one's gonna really really like what we came came up with because there is no good plan here but if it's the best of the bad plans we're gonna have to deal with it and if it's just a one-time thing we all understand the circumstances and this just had to be done and if there is no more baseball for a while, you can still catch Tim Kirchner's work at ESPN.com, doing his daily baseball fix, a lot of this day in baseball history, and plenty of good stuff there. Tim, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us, and, and really hoping we'll, we'll get to see you on ESPN talking about live baseball at some point this season. Well, thanks so much, fellas. Um, just stay safe, okay? Thanks.
All right. Thanks again to Tim Kirkchen. Uh, really cool to talk to someone who I think, like you said in the interview, Sean was like basically a part of our living room for so many years. And um, I mean, I remember the every, you know, Sunday nights in the summer, you come home, watch seven o'clock baseball tonight and then watch the eight o'clock Sunday night game, which the Yankees are in every other week. And yeah, it was still the same back then. Yeah. Uh, you really loved them being on Sunday nights then because, you know, in the in the summers you're out and playing and doing whatever on Sunday afternoons. But nowadays you kind of don't want them to be on Sunday night because there's work the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was great back then and it was always great uh, listening to Tim on baseball tonight. And he's still at ESPN and was, uh, you know, it was was a prominent part of, of ESPN and baseball tonight while all this was going on. And like we said, before we played the interview, the series ends in pretty heartbreaking fashion. They get crushed in, in game six. Pettit was really off his game, tipping his well, he, pitches. Yeah. He was tipping his pitches. That was, that was the thing. And, uh, and then the, we get the to the tipping second. pitches has really hurt the Yankees. I know <laughs> they should, they should look into that. Yeah. But uh, and then we get to Game Seven, which turns out to be an all-time classic. Another huge hit for for Soriano. And I don't know about you, but when when Soriano, I remember watching that game and when Soriano hit that home run. Like I remember being really excited, but I also remember being like, okay, like this is what's supposed to happen. Now Mariano comes in and and the game will be over. Dude, I remember they were losing one nothing, and even as they go down, Jeter makes this incredible play to cut out the cut off. Was it Matt Williams, the third or whoever it was that thought it was a good idea for go, to go <laughs> for a triple? I still wasn't worried. I, Tino comes up, ties the game again with the single in game seven of the World Series. And I, like even before that, I was like, it's going to be fine. Somebody's going to poke one out. Something's going to happen. We had not seen them lose in years. We'd seen them not win the World Series once yeah. in the <laughs> half, half a decade at this point. Yeah. Once. And, you know, Soriano hits the home run, and it's not like, oh, thank God. It's like, okay, there it is. This, yeah, no, that's exactly how I felt. That's, that's it. They got Mariano in. He comes in, strikes out the side in the eighth. Maybe a bad sign considering Bung Young Kim struck out the side in the eighth in game four. <laughs> no way am I thinking about that. And I don't want to dive into the ninth because it's too hard because you think about what if like 15 times with bunts and errors and yeah. balls thrown in the center field and – um yeah this and this that. epic series ends on a broken bat bloop single that would not have been a single if the infield wasn't drawn in that's baseball though yeah. i mean that's that's the kind of stuff that happens and it we were on the right end of it for basically you know four four out of five years before this well five out of five years before this one day and um that's it. That, you know, it's over. Yeah. Pain, painful <laughs> end. I think what's, what's more painful for me is Tino was my favorite player. I was a big Paul O'Neill fan. Um, yeah. We didn't even talk about the, yeah. the o- O'Neill chance in game five, which is also one of the coolest moments of that world series. For sure. But I mean, I really liked the way that those guys played the game, uh, Paul O'Neill in particular. And that's why he got the send off he got and deserved. Um, as the warrior, but what makes it hard is it's like that shouldn't have been the ending for this core group of guys because the team is a lot different in 2002. Yeah. Um, but 
for, for the way it ends in 2001, uh, for, for those three guys, it stinks. And then, you know, they go and they get Giambi and John Vanderwall, um, Hey, Giambi, people people bash that contract sometimes, but Giambi was deal. yeah, Giambi was great. I, I don't I don't dispute that. Um, but Tino was my boy, so I was you know it took me a little while yeah. to warm up to him. I mean, it doesn't hurt like a month and a half into him being a Yankee. We're at the game where he gets a walk off grand slam in the rain. So yeah, um, which we didn't leave early for. Um, yeah, totally didn't leave early. But. Uh, yeah, that's it. it. And that's that's the end of the dynasty. And that's how the dynasty ends. And, and read Buster Olney's book, The Last Night of the Yankee Dynasty. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite yep. Yankee books I've ever read. If we knew we were going to do this when we had him on, we could have just talked about that. But we did ask some questions about that when we spoke to him, if you want to go back and find that episode. Um, but, yeah, that was it. It, it was over. And ba- for me, after that, baseball had, was changed forever. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic. Like, after that – the other team would have a runner on second, and I'd be nervous. Yeah, Before no, that, that was. I, uh, I I didn't worry watching baseball. It was just good things are going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And now it's like, oh, that that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, that was our first kind of um, evidence that, like, okay, the Yankees don't win every classic game. Did you cry? I didn't cry, but did you cry? You were no, younger. I don't yeah. think so. It was more. I was just stunned. Yeah. I was like, wait, like. What the hell is this? The Yankees don't lose. Gotcha. I know you cried when the Devils lost that year. That's why I was just asking. Yeah, 2001. I'm not trying to be be funny. 2001 was a painful year for me. The Devils Devils lost in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup. Another team that was trying to become a dynasty. And uh, and then everything with the Yankees. So, yeah, that was a rough year. Yeah, it's not what you want. I say that was a rough year as two of my favorite teams were in the championship painful ends but it's painful when you when you get there and it ends you know the rangers lost in five games in 2014 and i still i still watch uh friggin uh mcdonough ringing one off the post in in overtime (laughs) in game five it still haunts me yeah all right well sports game of inches break your heart that it does but that also doesn't take away from how awesome that world series was and that season as a whole so it was it was cool to kind of recap that and and talk to tim about it we definitely felt like we needed to do a more standout season with with tim coming on so do you want to just go to 2007 next week yeah we could do that for sure but i mean i will say like as much as it breaks your heart 2001 is one of my favorite years ever because this team had no business being in that World Series yeah. with the way they got outscored. But it, it was weird. It was like it's a horror movie villain. They just refuse to die. It's, you, you know, you got to murder them like four different times in order to make it stick. And and the Yankees were like that. And that's what the dynasty was like. They just wouldn't quit. And uh, even though they don't win, it, that's what that whole era personified was crazy comebacks and just getting the job done somehow. And uh, I love that team for that. And even though they have a bad ending. I love that year. But we could go to 2007 next. Um, yeah, speaking, I, of a, speaking of a team that kept fighting. Yeah, I was going to draft 2001 for my pick anyway, actually. I had it, I had it selected, so this, right, this cool. works out. Cool. So we'll go to 2007 next week, and everything will go back, back to normal. Thanks again to Tim Kirchin. Awesome having him on. Thanks to everyone for listening. Hope everyone's hanging in there without 
live baseball. Uh, oh, go play the show, man! This is this. It, I'm I'm so glad that the I got into Diamond Dynasty this year. Now that Tino's in it, because I am, uh, you know, yeah, we, we are we are going go. for it. We are going for Tino. Yeah, I hit a snag in my in my last couple of games, but hopefully going to get back on track here. I was oh man, I was nine and one. Ooh, I know, and I've lost two in a row. That's nine and three. Still good. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to get back to it. The hunt to go get Tino. That's it. Man, imagine imagine they had imagine to unlock Tino, they did the moments and you had to hit the game tying home run off Kim. That would be sick. Oh, that'd be awesome. Like yeah. do Tino moment like Grand Slam in the World Series, tie the game with a yeah. home run. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be so cool. cool. If if you're yeah. having trouble in ranked seasons, I checked him on the marketplace and you can just buy him for five hundred thousand stubs. <laughs> I saw I saw three hundred thousand this It's up to five hundred. Somebody got him for like a hundred thousand before that. Really? Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'm going to go try to play another game before I got to start work. Yeah, go ahead. I'll let you go. Um, hopefully, Yankees come back soon. I miss them. I know. Yeah, it's yeah, the show is fun. Watching highlights is fun, but does not. It's not the same. It's not the same. But uh, everyone, stay safe and. Um, Keep hanging in there, and we'll talk to everybody next week. See you later, everybody.